0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas.
1: When Alan asked me to minister, I thought, well, this might be a good time to unfold and talk about all his faults and shortcomings, but that's a big topic. And honestly, there's not enough time for that. So. I chose another big topic, and that is the inside emotion and feelings of guilt. It's funny, we all can feel this guilt, and it's like, yeah, but what do you do with it? I found that I kept saying that out of my mouth. I kept saying, I'm like, Alan, what's the matter with me? I just feel so guilty. Or maybe you said it this way, I feel so badly. I just feel so guilty. I'm like, why do I keep saying that? Is that a habit? Actually, the scriptures say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I kept saying, I feel so guilty. And so I'm like, is it a habit or is this guilt on my heart? Is this guilt in my heart, weighing on my heart? I'd have to say it was guilt. It's an unusual emotion. Actually, researchers say it's so hard to measure in a human being because It's just, it's so extremely internalized. It's so extremely personalized. You're like, okay, well, I kind of get it. You feel guilty when you do something wrong, right? You feel guilty when you don't do something wrong. You think you should have done something, and you feel guilty. And then you're led around and motivated by guilt. What is this emotion that causes me to do things I don't even want to do sometimes? <laughs> Alan, when we were talking about the message, I said, you know, Alan, I don't, I don't know if I have anything. You know what he said to me? He said, well, you know, Joy, you're going to have to stand before the Lord someday. <laughs> I was like, you are making me feel guilty. I can't believe it. You're guilting me into this. So I thought, perfect topic, I'll talk about this. I saw him be guilty too, with my grandma. My grandmother's Italian and she loves to cook and she cooked this sauce. He had already eaten a big plate of pasta. And she says to him, you want another meatball? He says, no, grandma, I've had enough. And her tone changed. She looked at him and she went, you don't like my meatballs? He was like, no, put another meatball sausage on there. I'll take Tums later. I actually, he knew the mafia is in my family too. (laughs) Better to have a meatball. (laughs) Why do we do this, this guilty emotion? What exactly does it mean? Is it it from God? How about parental guilt? That's a big one. You feel parental guilt because you're like, I'm not everything I'm supposed to be. I've apologized a thousand times. And you still feel guilty when they leave your home. Actually, we're not responsible for every choice and decision our children make when they leave our home. Yeah, we feel guilty. Hmm. Why is this emotion so familiar to us? Why is this emotion so difficult, uncomfortable? Why do we like to rid ourselves of this? Single parent, the reason why I don't discipline, I feel so guilty. I can't give them everything else, so I don't want to make it harder on them. Guilt. And yet, in its most extreme forms of guilt, if it sits on our lives for days and months and years, it can actually be crippling. How? It can be crippling and be a source of such great sorrow and torment because you not only hate what you've done or what you thought you should have done, you begin to hate who you are. But is guilt, is it, is it from God? I kind of thought it stops us from doing wrong things and maybe leads us to repentance. It never says in the scriptures that God guilts us to repentance. It actually says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. The word in the scriptures actually refers to a weight, something heavy, something burdensome. I'm like, whew, I can relate to that. That's, that totally makes sense to me. The word defined actually means condemnation, under judgment, sentenced, and it's closely related to punishment. Whoa. And God says he didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn us, but to save us. So why do we feel so guilty? why do we have to deal with this emotion? What do we do with it? I mean, does God have an answer to guilt in my life? He actually does. And his answer is forgiveness. It's receiving forgiveness and even forgiving ourselves. I have an uncle, Jerry. And I loved my Uncle Jerry. He was married to my aunt. They lived in California, and they had one only child, and his name was Teddy. He was a little older than I was. He was about 18 when I was 10 or 11. We got a call right before Thanksgiving, our family did, that Teddy actually drowned in a um, scuba diving accident. It was so sad. My uncle was with him at that time. Ten years later, I go and I'm working in California. I got to visit and be with my aunt and uncle. And um, he just stopped, stopped functioning completely. The guilt on his life crippled him completely. He stopped work. He was an artist. He stopped painting. He stopped drawing everything. And I remember I went and I had dinner with him. I said, Uncle Jerry, Why? Why don't you pick up a pencil? Why won't you do this? You go to the cemetery every day. And he, he held his medal in his hand, this, this medal that he wore all the time. And he said, you see this, Joy? I'm just like St. Jude. It stands for Judas Iscariot, and I'm the unforgiven saint. And I went, Uncle Cherry, why would you say that? You're not unforgiven. God actually will forgive you. He says, Joy... Teddy didn't want to go scuba diving that day, and I made him go. I later found out they didn't have their equipment checked. They weren't with the trainer. They really shouldn't have been there. Totally got why he felt guilty about it. But I know that God did not want him to live under that guilt for the rest of his life and punish himself thinking he was the unforgiven saint. There's in the scriptures, God actually addresses this, I feel guilty, and ties it right in with forgiveness. I'm so thankful that God does this for us. There's actually freedom from this guilty emotion that's so internalized, so personalized, and maybe that's what's been hurting you, because I found that that was was hurting and heavy on me. When I looked in the scriptures, I was so excited because I love this one story. It's the first place we see forgiveness mentioned in the scriptures. And it's completely tied up with a phrase, I feel so guilty. And in this in this passage, I'm gonna to talk to you about a man in the Bible named Joseph. You may be familiar with him, but I have to tell you too, in the Jewish culture, In among their people, God was the only one that offered them repentance and forgiveness. No one else in the world, no other civilization was offered that. But God's people, he's like, you can repent of what you do wrong and you can actually receive forgiveness. And this is the first place we see it in the scriptures. It's not mentioned anywhere else until here. In Joseph, what we see, you may go, I know Joseph. He's the guy with many colors. Yes, he was. But he was one of 12 brothers. That's not too bad. One dad, the problem was there's four different moms involved here, so there's a lot of dysfunction, a lot of competition, a lot of jealousy, and a lot of favoritism. Yes, Joseph is the favored one. He gets this coat of many colors, and he's young. He goes and he talks to his brothers. He's like, guess what? I had this dream and I'm the leader and you're not. You're actually bowing to me. And they're like, we hate you. (laughs) And they did. They actually hated them. Out of their mouth, the abundance of their their heart, hate. We hate him. We got to do away with Joseph. He's so annoying. That was what was in their heart. That's what came out of their mouth. Well, he comes one day and they're like, okay, let's not kill him. Maybe we'll be a little nicer. We'll just throw him in a pit and then sell him into slavery to the Egyptians. We'll never see Joseph again. That'll solve the problem. And we'll tell dad he was eaten by some animal. Well, they never saw Joseph for over 20 years, but they lived with the guilt of that for approximately 25 years. Joy, how do you know that? Well, okay. Okay. There's a famine in the land after 25 years, a famine, a worldwide famine. Now Joseph in Egypt, he had his problems, but God was always with him and he stayed close to God. God helped him be able to forget all the afflictions of the past. He promotes him and he's second in command to Pharaoh. He's actually in charge of all the food distribution in the area. Anyone who wants food in the middle of this famine has to come and meet with Joseph. So guess what happens? The father goes and says to the brothers, you need to go get food. They come and here's the first time they've met after 25 years. They don't know who Joseph is, but he recognizes them. He knows who they are. He speaks through an interpreter. So they don't even realize when they're talking among themselves, He knows the Hebrew language. He asks them to do something that's uncomfortable and a little difficult. And this is what they say in the Hebrew language that Joseph understands. Then they say to one another, we are so guilty concerning our brother. We saw the anguish of his soul. We saw the tears in his eyes, you could say. He pleaded with us and we wouldn't hear him. And that's why this distress and punishment, you could say, has come upon us. They felt guilty 25 years later, even though they didn't see him. They're like, that's why we're in trouble. I knew it. I knew what we did was so wrong. Joseph heard it and he has to get away and go to a corner because he cries. He's like, wow, they acknowledged that what they did was wrong. That's actually good. Joseph forgave them, but he didn't know. He hadn't been around them. Where's their heart? Given the same set of circumstances, would they do the same thing? Do you know you can forgive someone and not trust them? you don't know their heart before god that's between them and you're not responsible for that actually responsible for you so he gives them a little test now i got to tell you the brothers really were sorry the brothers were actually repentant, given the same set of circumstances and a test of their heart. They treat it completely differently. Did you know that that's what repentance is? I'm never doing it again. I'm never doing it again. And sometimes you're like, I did never do it again. Why do I feel so guilty still? Why does this still weigh on me? Why do I still heavy about this whole situation that I never did it again? I repented, I changed my ways about it. It's because we haven't understood often forgiveness. They treated the father nicely. They treated the brother Jen, Benjamin good. They came and they did everything Joseph told them to do. They have to come and meet up with him again to get more food. And Joseph's like, I'm gonna tell them who I am. Look at this. Joseph said to his brothers, please, I want you to come near to me. So they come near and, they, and he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt, but now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. It's a Perfect definition of what guilt is. Don't be grieved and angry with yourself. If guilt sits on our life year after year after year, again, we don't even just hate what we did, we hate who we are. And it breaks down the core of your emotional well being and your sense of value and worth before God even. You're like, I just can't seem to get over this. Joseph allowed God to help him forget everything of the past. To move into such complete and total forgiveness, he can reframe all of those events to where he's like, all I can tell you is it happened, but God worked. In fact, the leadership that God had me dream about was that I would be able to help you. I would go before you to nourish you. Not that you bow down to me. No, I'm in a position to help you. The brothers are stunned at this time. They actually can't talk. They're really pretty afraid. They're probably like, what am I going to tell dad? He doesn't even know what, what, what we did. Do you know what Joseph did? This is total forgiveness. This is complete forgiveness extended. Don't be mad and angry at yourself. Don't punish yourself anymore. And he says, and this is what you tell dad. You tell dad Joseph lives and he's sending wagons and he's going to come and get us and he's going to take care of us and he wants us to move closer to him so he could take care of us for years to come. You mean we don't have to tell dad that We sold you into slavery. We don't have to tell him what happened. They told him exactly what Joseph said. Forget what happened. You're forgiven. I'm going to take care of you. And that's what happens. They move to the land. They're given amazing favor. All the brothers are actually made heads of the different herds and flocks in the area, he takes care of them well beyond the famine, which was just five years later. 17 years later, the brothers still are carrying the guilt. They didn't do it anymore. They repented and they were forgiven, but they didn't receive it and they weren't able to forgive themselves. What that does is, It causes an emotional distance in our relationships and with God. Joseph wanted to be close, but you can't be close with someone who won't come closer. If you haven't felt as close to the Lord, it's not the Lord standing at a distance from you. He's like, come here, I want to talk to you. Sometimes we're like, "I've, I've done, you don't know what I've done. But he does. And he forgives us. After 17 years, look at this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph is going to still hate us. You see, they're still carrying the guilt. And maybe he might even repay us for all the evil we've done to him. They sent messengers. They didn't even go to Joseph themselves. So you could see they're not close. Before your father, he's their father. So they never reestablished a relationship with their father. They didn't have to tell him what they did. Joseph wasn't interested in trying to hurt their relationship at all. He actually helped preserve their relationship. Before your father died, he said, tell Joseph, I beg you, please forgive our trespasses, that your brothers and their sin, the evil they did. Please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept before them. It's like, I forgave you. The scriptures say, he says, am I God? I fear God. I've done nothing for years for you, but take care of you for 17 years. And I have no ill will towards you at all. In fact, he speaks to me. He says, I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to take care of you and your children. And he spoke comforts to them. He encouraged them. It goes on further and says, and he spoke kindly and tenderly to their heart oh how God wants to speak kindly and tenderly to our heart he wants us to come up close to him but we're the ones that stand at a distance because it's like you don't know what I've done you don't know how guilty I feel I've repented I haven't done it anymore but it and God's like come close I'm going to be kind to you. If there was a father who told their child, you're going to have to carry this heavy piece of luggage, you can't even lift it, but everywhere you go, you have to carry this heavy piece of luggage, and you have to kick it around if you can't carry it, they couldn't do it. It would break down their body. If we carry the load of guilt from years, It will break down our emotional well-being. It will break down the heart of our relationships, the closest ones to us and our relationship with God. When he's motioning to us going, I want to speak kindly to you. So how do we get this guilty feeling off of our lives that just seems to plague me? cause of such sorrow and insecurity self-esteem problems first of all we can't use it in our relationships if you use it we'll actually never lose it we can't use it and it's easy to do guilt trips guilt manipulation with a guilt trip or guilt manipulation you might heap a bunch of guilt into a relationship and you might get your way but you heap a bunch of resentment too Because the person doing what you want them to do doesn't really want to do it. It's like twisting their arm. Okay, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it. But I don't want to. Even God's like, don't give to me unless you want to. I don't want you to be forced to give to me. I want you to give to me genuinely from my heart. And when we put guilt in the middle of a relationship, we actually are damaging the relationships. We're actually causing an emotional distance. And it's like, wow, so we can't, use it. I heard a, I heard a quote. It said, if you want to make an awful situation worse, just heap a bunch of guilt on there. Makes it worse. It's so true, isn't it? It could be a habit that we have to go. If someone doesn't genuinely from their heart want to do something, I'm not going to make them do it. That's one way we get it off of us. Another way is understanding and practicing the process of forgiveness. Is there a process? I think so, but very simply. You know, it's good when our hearts condemn us. When we're like, I didn't do what's right. God doesn't condemn us. Our own hearts feel badly. I didn't handle that right. I didn't do good. We have to acknowledge that. When we acknowledge that, we simply just ask God to forgive us. Father, I'm so sorry. I I didn't do that right. I, I did everything wrong about that. Then we go over and we confess our sins to one another. There's actually healing, the Bible says, that can take place in our relationships, amending when we apologize. Do you know that studies show that most people would prefer an apology than they would a money gift? That would have saved a lot on Valentine's, wouldn't it have? (laughs) Forget the flowers. I'm sorry, on construction paper. It's actually priceless I can't tell you the number of our I'm sorry little yellow sticky notes I've had by the coffee pot from Alan and I've given to him but I think he gave me more than I gave to him <laughs> now when you confess your sins to one another it's it's not always someone may not forgive you that's actually not your responsibility but you can feel lighter just knowing I did my part I asked God to forgive me I confess my sins And then you have to forgive yourself. You have to let go of some things yourself. And I have personally found that difficult. Maybe because growing up Catholic, you confess your sins and then you do penance. So many Our Fathers, so many Hail Marys. And I'm like, let me do extra because I'm sure I forgot something. I worked with the nuns in California when I was with my aunt and and uncle and they were sharing with me that years ago nuns would get like a little whip and if you didn't feel like you did enough penance you could just whip yourself and I was like it's kind of extreme I never bought myself a whip but I whipped myself on the inside thinking see God I feel really bad I feel really bad I'm punishing myself over and over again for years for what I did isn't that good no it's not good Because it distances you from God when he's like, don't punish yourself anymore. We can forget the past and let the past be the past at last. You can receive forgiveness and forgive and release yourself and let this heavy burden of guilt live off of you. You see, we have to come to the place where we understand the foundational reason as to why we can really live guilt-free. And it's because of what Jesus did for us. And the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 53 is a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us. And it's something I love to read. And it's something we always have to remember. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or punishment for our peace was on him. And it's by and with his stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He laid, God laid on Jesus, the sin of us all. God laid on Jesus the guilt from that sin of us all. He took it. He went as a lamb to the slaughter and he didn't open his mouth and he didn't defend himself. He said, I'll take the punishment for you. So we don't have to take the punishment anymore and we don't have to punish ourselves anymore. Oh my goodness, this guilty feeling can really lift off of us. Of this memory that came back to me for years something I always felt guilty about it's one of many feelings actually but this one always came to me I was in the fourth grade a long time ago and I was in Sister Ethel's class. She was a fierce nun. She was like in her 80s and really angry. She'd scream all the time, hit you with the ruler, of the broom, anything she could get her hands on. And she would put you to the corner of the room and just publicly humiliate you, scream and holler in the class. I was terrified. I wasn't even a really good learner. And I was like, I'm so afraid of Sister Ethel. One time, one time, I went home with a friend, and I didn't do my homework. And I came back, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't do my homework. I said to my friend, I did do my homework. She said, no problem. Go up to the desk where we put our homework, take the first page, go back to your desk, erase the name, and put your name on it, and then put it back up there. She says, I do it all the time. I'm like, maybe that's why I'm getting zeros. <laughs> And I did it. I did it. I put my name on somebody else's paper. And I sat there thinking maybe Sister Ethel was going to just go home and grade those papers, put a zero in her books. But no, she called the names that day. She called the names. I have to not cry. And all I remember, I don't even know his name, it was a curly headed, dark-haired boy with freckles and tears in his eyes and she's yelling at him and she put him in the corner of the room and she said you didn't do your homework and she's pleading with her he's like I did sister Ethel I promise I did I put my homework on your desk I did I did and I looked at his red face and the tears in his eyes and I thought my name was on his paper he involuntarily took the punishment. I'm the one that didn't do my homework. Through the years, his face came to me. I, I never apologized. I never told Sister Ethel. I didn't even tell Father Quinn in the confessional. I thought it's too bad. <laughs> it's a mean thing that I did. To come back to me the picture of his face. But Jesus, he took our. And God didn't have to twist his arm either. And he didn't plead for mercy. He kept his mouth quiet and he took it for us so that we didn't have to take it. None of us did our homework right. We all deserved the punishment, but he took it for us. He didn't go in a corner. He went on a cross. And on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. I could still see the freckled-faced boy. Then I have to turn my gaze and go, Behold the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins and the guilt of that sin in my world. And he's taken away the guilt of the sin in your world too. And let me pray for us all to receive that forgiveness and have the burden of guilt lifted. Father, I thank you this day that you are so good and so kind, and we honor what you've done in taking our punishments and pains, and that you forgive us for the guilt from all the sins, Father. And I thank you for the relief and the peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Would you? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads one more time just real quickly before we leave if you're here this morning and you're saying you know what I I, I don't know if I have a relationship with the Lord I'm not sure or you're here and you say you know what I, I used to have a relationship with God but I walked away from him and you know it down in your heart but we're going to say a prayer it's a very simple prayer we're not going to have you stand up or come to the front our objective is not to embarrass anyone. But if you're here today, you say, you know what, I do want a relationship with the Lord, or I do want to come back with Him. And I would like your prayers. Would you pray for me? All I'm gonna ask you to do is would you slip up your hand just across this auditorium and say that's me? Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Anyone else? Wonderful. You can put your hands down, we're gonna pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand and you and you wanted to do that. You can join us. Pray this prayer with us. I'm going to ask the whole church family. We're going to pray it out loud together. This is a heart prayer. God sees hands, but he sees hearts. And so as you pray this, this is just a wonderful prayer of connection with the Lord and receiving what he's done for you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I said yes to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. And for those who've come in and for those who've come back, we rejoice with them. Father, thank you that we don't have to live with the guilt. we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.